Almost 34 years ago, be 34 years uh, this spring, the Park Avenue Baptist Church in Titusville, Florida, as a 23-year-old young man, I stood just in front of the platform, and next to me stood my brother as I awaited my future bride to come walking through the back of the of the sanctuary. I can remember when those, uh, when those doors opened wide and there Jalen Claridge stood next to her father and I, I thought, wow, I'm going to have a good life. And it was, it was the most surreal moment of my, of my life up to that time. To have come from where the Lord had brought me and to have drawn me to himself out of a, uh, a very dark uh, background and then to allow me the, the privilege and the opportunity to, to marry a very godly young woman that was converted at the age of, uh, of six. I mean, my heart was just aglow with, uh, with gratitude to God. And what I experienced in that moment most of you have experienced in your lives as well. And you can go back and you can remember those initial moments when either standing in the back and the doors opened wide and and you saw your groom or the groom looking at his bride and the love and 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 the appreciation and the gratitude for what God had done just welled up in your heart. Well, that's just... A small, small picture of what God feels about the church. What I felt in that moment, and as my love developed and 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 would grow over over the decades, pales in comparison to how much God loves the church. It's not too much to say that God is passionate about the church that the most beautiful and spectacular description of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church is that description where he is presented as the groom and the church as his bride. There's absolutely no question, there's no doubt, there's no hesitancy in being able to affirm the fact God is passionate about the church. And, you know, there's a lot of confusion about the church today. When you talk to some people and you ask them about the church, they think of the church as a building. And for others, it's, it's nothing more than an oppressive, an oppressive manifestation of, an, of a controlling ideology left over from an, an unenlightened people. For some, it's an antiquated institution that's outlived its usefulness and needs to be abolished. For some, the church is a stroll down memory lane. They think back when they would attend church as a, as a family, particularly during the, during the, the great Christian celebrations of, of Christmas and Easter. Yet for millions of 
people, the church is a vital part of their lives. They enjoy seeing their friends. They get a good feeling by singing familiar songs. They love the sense that they're, that they're giving is contributing to and making a difference in the world, even though they're not exactly sure what that difference is. They love the fact that their morals are being instilled into their children, but at the end of the day, most of them couldn't say, I am passionate about the local church and I don't think I could live without it. Every January, we, we take a Sunday where we, where we talk about where we've been and, and where we're headed congregationally in the new year. I've been thinking about this literally for weeks, praying about it. And what I want to do this morning, rather than talking much about where we've been and what we will do, though I will mention some of that, I want us to contemplate this morning how passionate God is about the church and how that should, how that should shape the way that we think and feel about the church. It's easy for one Sunday to become another Sunday to become another Sunday for 52 Sundays to, to come and go and, and we get on the church treadmill and we don't think much about the church. We just do church without being the church. You don't usually connect a word like passion with church. You put passion with marriage and passion with love, but not passion in the church. And yet, if you look in the New Testament about how God describes the church, as I've already mentioned, he is passionate about the church. I want to read to you some verses from just one single book that describes something about the significance of the church and the significance that the church should have in our hearts and minds. For example, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22 says this, And God placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed Christ to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. 
God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's angels and demons. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, What he's saying there is that angels and demons are watching the manifold wisdom of God being revealed in and through the church. Chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, if I had been writing that, I would have reversed church in Christ Jesus. Now, you don't want to over-accentuate and over-emphasize the point, but I think it's very significant that he does say, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. He's given some to be apostles and others to be prophets and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, that is the church. And then that imagery that I drew on earlier, Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she, the church, would be holy and blameless." What I'm suggesting is that our lives are bigger than an expensive education, a good job, a wonderful spouse, obedient children, fantastic vacations, and a beautiful home. In reality, we are a part of something immense, something that began long before we were born and will continue long after we are dead. God is rescuing people and bringing them into his family, incorporating them into his body, and he wants us to be a part of it. Step back and think about this for just a moment. Think about what's at stake if the church fails to be the church. Every human being that lives in this world lives with the backdrop of a world that the naked eye cannot see. There is a reality that exists that we don't typically contemplate. 
We're in a cosmic conflict with spiritual forces of evil. And at some point, every human being alive today will die. And then there will be a reckoning or an accounting. Every one of the more than 7 billion people alive today will enter into eternity and go either to heaven or hell. This is why every human being deserves the opportunity to hear the gospel. And why every believer needs to be passionate and engaged and involved in a local church. Because God has determined that the church be the means by which the gospel goes into the world. So in light of all of that, I, I want to say five things to you this morning that I think should impact who we are and what we do in 2016. The first thing is this. God the Father loves the church and is passionate about it. And we should be as well. This next paragraph I, I wrote and crafted very carefully. The church is God's people. Christ's bride. Redeemed by the blood of his son. Indwelt by his spirit. Clothed in his righteousness. Commissioned with his authority to take the good news to the world. Equipped with spiritual gifts in order to build up one another in our faith. The church is a gathered group of priests offering up spiritual sacrifices to the one true and living God. The church is a people that were once spiritual orphans headed into a Christless eternity, but now are adopted and in the process of being conformed into Christ's image and prepared for an eternity in God's presence and to live forever with God's redeemed. What's not to love about the church? But maybe the better question is, why don't I feel about the church like God feels about the church? I can't love God authentically and genuinely and passionately and not love the church. The local church is where God is drawing to himself those who are being saved and he is incorporating them into his body. The church of Christ is where God's passion and love is focused and so should ours. Number two. God has given us in specific instructions as to what the church is to do, and therefore, we should be right in the mix of it. There's a lot of debate and a lot of, a lot of pushing and pulling uh, about what the church ought to be engaged in and what the church ought to be involved in, but he's, he's left us two particular passages that, that, that bring in a very clear, crystal way what we as a congregation should do and be. One is the Great Commission. 
Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We are to be an evangelistic, mission-minded people that go across the street with the gospel and go around the world with the gospel. The other passage is in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. For me, this is kind of the, the fundamental core of what church life ought to be and how it ought to be manifested. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were were being slaved. God has made it clear what we're to be about. God has articulated very plainly for us what the church is to do. So number three, how does this work its way out in NAOBC? What's important to us congregationally in light of, in light of what we've just read from the Great Commission and the passage in Acts 2, 42 through 47? Well, obviously, expository preaching is important to us. We believe that the best way to approach the Bible is primarily preaching through books of the Bible, passage by passage. And this is the foundation for our, for our preaching ministry here at this church, and, and we believe that the Bible ought to be the foundation for our Bible fellowship groups. That's why we call them Bible fellowship groups. Bible first, because it's a time for small group focus on Bible study and, and truth, expository preaching, heartfelt worship that is... We ought to be a congregation that sings loud and passionately and fervently, and and, and we are, because that heartfelt worship must find expression in song. Authentic fellowship. Authentic fellowship where where we demonstrate that we genuinely care about one another and love one another. We do this through our Bible fellowship groups, Bible fellowship. The word fellowship is very important. It's a a Bible idea. It's a Bible term. It's a Bible thought. It's a Bible truth, a Bible fellowship groups. That's where we oversee one another and minister to one another and care for one another in small groups, building community meals, which are getting ready to start back this Wednesday night, where we will gather here in the sanctuary and we will eat together and we will enjoy the presence of being with the people of God, building community nights where after Sunday evening services, we, we enjoy snacks and such together, but more importantly, we, 
we get to minister to one another. Authentic fellowship. Purposeful discipleship. That's what begins Wednesday night where, where a team of folks have strategically and intentionally chosen areas where our congregation needs to be built up and where, where all of us need to grow. We've got a, a, a class on marriage. We've got a class on prayer. We've got a ladies' class on spiritual disciplines. We've got a, a class where maybe your only opportunity to serve is to be here on Wednesday night and, and to sing in the choir. We've got ways and implementation about, about doing discipleship. We have men's groups that meet during the week. And then finally, strategic evangelism and missions. We have mission partnerships and we have mission trips. Uh, we have the Great Commission offering. And so we're very, uh, we're very driven that what we do congregationally finds its roots in Scripture and not just in what's popular in church culture. And in Acts 2, 42 through 47, in Matthew chapter 28, God tells us what he wants us to do. We shouldn't be telling God what we want to do. We want to hear from God, and God has given us in instructions. So this is how it works its way out here at 9th and O. Well, what does this look like for us at NOBC, NAOBC in 2016? How's it going to work its way out? at 9th and 0 in 2016, well, we're going to keep doing what we're doing, only we're going to seek to do it better. We're going to seek to grow and mature and develop. Uh, we, we want all that we do to be done for God's glory, and we can always improve and enhance what we're doing. And we're going to do that. We want to strive to, be, to ever improve for God's glory but maybe the most important thing that we're going to do this year, in addition to those things that we've mentioned, is that this year we will celebrate the 100th anniversary of Ninth and O Baptist Church. Several years ago, if you were here, you'll remember that we had a 100-year celebration. And so the thought is, well, what was that that we celebrated uh, a number of years ago, we celebrated the inauguration of 9th and O as a Sunday school class. The inception of it as a, as a, as a, as a Sunday school, not as a church. Well, you might wonder, well, why did, we, why did we put so much emphasis and focus on it a number of years ago, and, and, now, and now we are at the 100th anniversary of the church because we had in our congregation at that time a number of senior adult people that had lived most of their lives, all of their adult lives, actively engaged through sacrificial giving and service at Ninth and O Baptist Church. And un unless they were going to find the fountain of youth, they weren't going to be alive for us to celebrate the 100th anniversary as a church. 
And so, not just out of deference, but out of deep respect and love and appreciation for those, for those men and women, and many of them have gone on to be with the Lord since then, we decided that the right thing to do, the appropriate thing to do, the God-honoring thing to do was to celebrate the inception of the church as a Sunday school back in, in 2006. Well, what we are going to celebrate now is the inception of Ninth and O as a church. In 2006 to 2016, God has done, some, has done some great things. And over the next several weeks, we're going to begin sharing with you plans and, uh, and things that are ahead that will, that will culminate toward the end of the year in November with a very special service. But between now and then, we've got a lot of things planned. We're going to be introducing you to the history of our church. We're going to be introducing you to people that, that have been members of this church longer than many of us, many of you, not many, not much longer than me, have been alive. We're going to talk to people that, that, that grew up in this church and are still members of this church. That is, they, their parents were members and they were saved here, and they continue to be members here. We're going to introduce you to people, we're going to introduce you to a gentleman whose grandfather was a deacon, his father was a deacon, and he is a deacon. And we're going to grow in our love and appreciation for what God has, God has done among us. That's going to be, that's going to be the, uh, a central theme that drives us in twenty in 2016, and it's going to be a very, very good year for us. The last thing I, I want you to, ta- I want to ask you is how can, here's the fifth thought, how can I grow in my love for the local church right here where God has planted me? Let me mention a few things that you can do. First, recognize God wants you to feel about the local church the way that he feels about the local church. Now, we're just one one part of the church universal, but we're an important part because God loves us. And so I would challenge you in 2016 to do this. Begin to pray that you would feel about this church the way that God feels about it that you would begin to be as passionate for it as God is passionate about it. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Don't underestimate persevering prayer. Don't underestimate repeated prayer. You might say this morning, you know, I I honestly, Pastor, if i just honest about it, I don't feel anywhere about the church like probably I should feel about it. And, And that's being honest, and that's where most of us are. But you don't have to stay there pray on a daily basis. You might put a card in your car, and as you're driving to work or driving to school, or maybe you put it in your mirror where you're, by where you're shaving or over the, over the dishwasher where you lo- would be loading the dishes, pray daily, God, help me love this church like you love it, to be passionate and heartfelt in my commitment 
to it. Uh, The second thing is, find a way to be involved with us. Now, many of you are involved as you can be. You don't need to be any more involved. You're you're involved up to the, you're involved up to the, up to your heart, and uh, and you love this church, and you show it through your giving and your serving, but but we have many people in our in our church that don't feel that way, and a part of it is unless you invest in something, it's hard to connect with it. It's hard to it's hard to connect with a person if you don't invest in that relationship. And the same is true of the church. So I would encourage you to to give financially to the church. I would encourage you to find a place of service in the church. I would I would encourage you to get to know the people in your Bible fellowship group. Get to know the people and find a place of service and you will love this church. The third thing I would say is this. Realize that God doesn't want us to be only concerned about what goes on inside. He wants us to take our faith outside. And I think that something that we could all probably do a better job with is praying for people that don't know Jesus, investing in that relationship, and then inviting them with you to church as a means to opening a door to invite them to meet the Savior. And so you, you intercede, you invest, and you invite. Why? Because the Great Commission is about taking the gospel across the street and around the world. So 2016 is going to be a wonderful year. I'm very excited about what God has in, has in store for us, but, but I felt like what we needed to, to do this morning, what we needed to contemplate this morning is it's no good just to do a lot of stuff. You can do a lot of stuff, but if you're not passionate about the people, if you're not passionate about the body of Christ, then all you're doing is a bunch of stuff. And what we need to do as we begin 2016 is we need to have the same feeling, the same emotion, the same commitment toward the church that God has toward the church. The church is the body of Christ. The church is where people gather on a weekly basis for teaching and worship. The church is where you celebrate the Lord's Supper. The church is where you are excommunicated if you decide that you are going to live your own way. That's a par- those are all part of what make the church not some, or- some other helpful organization who does a lot of good spiritual work, but the church is unique in that regard. So it may be this morning that uh, you are here and you decided already, hey, I want to be a part of this church, and we're going to give you an opportunity to come forward in just a moment and, and speak to someone about uh, the pathway to, to church membership. It may be, as Greg is leading us in song and we're all singing, you would just pause at some point along the way and say, Lord, I, I think I see a glimpse of how much you love this body of people, and I pray in Jesus' name that I would be as passionate about this body of people as you are.
about this body of people. Or maybe you'd just like to talk to someone about, uh, about your relationship with the Lord. We'd invite you to come down as well and, and speak to one of, our, one of our leaders here at the front. Would you stand and let me lead us in a word of prayer? Let's, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you today that you haven't left us in a, in a cloud or with any confusion or in the darkness about how you feel about us congregationally and, and the church universally. You've made it abundantly clear. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name as we launch into 2016 and as we celebrate 100 years of existence and, and we do a lot of exciting and, 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 and wonderful things, that all that we do would fuel our passion for you, for the people of God, and for the world that needs a Savior. Have these final moments and do in us a good work for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.